Voice of San Diego podcasts are sponsored by the Bob Nelson Charitable Fund, honoring the San Diego Harbor Police Foundation. Voice of San Diego podcasts are sponsored by the Bob Nelson Charitable Fund, honoring the San Diego Harbor Police Foundation. Thanks for listening to this Voice of San Diego podcast bonus episode. This is a special episode that's dropping with our Saturday newsletter, The Politics Report. I'm Andrew Keats, assistant editor at Voice of San Diego, and I spoke Friday with Councilwoman Monica Montgomery about the police brutality protests throughout San Diego over the last week, how she's processing the death that sparked them, and what she's seen since they started. I wanted to talk to her because she has been perhaps the most successful advocate for criminal justice reforms in San Diego, capping this week when two of her longstanding priorities became a reality. Here is my interview with San Diego City Councilwoman Monica Montgomery. Um, I'm interested in, in initially, um, wh- what your reaction is and what your thoughts are on how San Diego specifically has, has handled this week, from the protests to the city's response. Uh, what, what, what have you seen and, and what have you learned? Well, learning um, new things every day, but I am feeling um, a range of emotions through these last almost two weeks now um, of hurt and pain and disappointment and anger, um, but also some hope that we can finally confront race um, and equity in a real way in our city. Um, With regard to the protests, you know, I attended one of the protests so far, and it was really one of the most peaceful demonstrations I had ever been to. Um, When I left, I received word that the sheriff had uh, declared it an unlawful assembly. Um, I've noticed that that has been going on in the city, in our region, and in the nation. And it's really in stark comparison to the protests a few weeks ago, uh, the reopening protests where there was a an order really to stand down. And there have been, you know, there's looting, uh, there have been instances, but I also know that peaceful protesters have been tear gassed. Uh, And so for me, uh, there is hope, but we really need to be truthful about what's going on in the ground, about how we confront race as a community and how we're gonna move forward from here. Have you talked to uh, Chief, Nisla- Chief Nislight about uh, any of the concerns you see with the uh, uh, the tendency and process of declaring a, a, the protest unlawful um, or uh, with the police's response once that determination has been made? We have our conversations. Um, I'm hearing that there have been what has prompted the tear gas has been um, the protesters throwing items at officers. 
um, you know, I had either way, it's one side of the story, another side of the story. It really is like a tale of two cities. And so I want to see more on that. But there's been consistent um, stories from the ground about how this has gone on from all types of different people. You know, so I'm just, I, I am hopeful. And, and as the week has progressed, it has gotten better in the city of San Diego. And I'm grateful for that. I'm very grateful but I was very concerned in the beginning and I'm still concerned every single day that we, I want us to honor the first amendment in the city of San Diego for all people. And it should be an inequity in enforcement and disparity in enforcement on a protesting. You were present at a press conference earlier this week uh, where the mayor and uh, the police chief made, made two pretty big policy announcements. Um, one of those was uh, that the department would no longer use the carotid restraint. That um, restraint is um, uh, now been outlawed basically by every law enforcement agency in the county. Um, the other was not scheduled to be made at that press conference, but the mayor responded to a press uh, to a question from one of our reporters, um, and he said he would support the uh, ballot measure that you have been championing within City Hall to create a new police oversight uh, entity that would have its uh, have subpoena power and be empowered to conduct its own investigations into uh, police misconduct. What do you what do you make of this relatively swift change in two big policy areas um, where there has been quite a bit of intransigence uh, up until up until this very week? <laughs> Again, a range of emotions. Very, you know, I, I am really I'm grateful that the chief made the, the decision that he did to ban the carotid restraint. That is something that has been in my committee work plan since I became the chair of the Public Safety and Livable Neighborhoods Committee, uh, the Racial Justice Coalition, other groups like the NAACP, uh, Black Men and Women United have, have been advocating for this for a very, very long time. And so we, what we do see is that if there is a commitment from our leadership, things can change very quickly. We do see that. And now the people can see that. I'm grateful for that. I can say that, you know, I've been a big part of these changes and these reforms because I've been advocating for them uh, for, a very, for a pretty long time and community members have as well. And so I'm glad to see it finally come to fruition. These, these have been really long, hard, and sometimes unpopular fights. And so I'm, I'm proud of the community. I'm grateful that the mayor and chief are, are seeing these things in a different way. Um, and with regard to the Community Review Board on Police Practices and changing it into an independent commission, you know, glad to see that support too. It has been a very, very long haul. And from day one, on the day of my inauguration, I said that we would be establishing an independent commission with subpoena power, with its own attorney, with investigative powers. And that is what we're, it's on the ballot, um, not on the ballot, but it is on the city council docket, June 23rd. Um, Monica, do you have, um, you know, it, it is, it's, you've put in a lot of work and it's, uh, it goes from little progress to quite a bit all at once. I wonder, now that the carotid restraint has been 
uh, taken off the table for police officers. Now that there seems to be uh, a groundswell of support for this ballot measure for police oversight, do you have any other specific policies on uh, police reform or economic equity that you are going to uh, begin pushing now? Is there what is next on your agenda essentially now that these two agenda items are to what to some degree uh, taken care of? So we're definitely going to uh, wrap uh, try to wrap up surve- the surveillance um, issues that we. Um, had to bring to a halt based on the pandemic, we are going to bring those back up. Also, uh, CPAT, uh, the um, Coalition for Police uh, Transparency and Accountability, um, has some very um, poignant uh, policy changes that they would like to make with regard to consent searches um, and uh, low-level offenses that we need to look at. In addition to de-escalation policies, Currently, we do have one. We have a use of force, but um, we, we have to focus on the different ways to de-escalate situations uh, between community and officers. I also think, Andy, that, that there is a larger conversation um, about, again, structural racism, racism in our institutions and in our systems. And based on that, I will be requesting through this budget that we have and establish an office of race and equity at the city of San Diego that will truly take a look at, we have to be the example. We are the city of San Diego. You saw what happened this week. When Chief Nisline announced that ban, it reverberated throughout the county. And so this is the time to have the conversation, but not only that, to put resources toward how we can be better as a city, how we can integrate community into our solutions and how we can ensure that we are not perpetuating racial discriminatory practices within our city. We have a pay equity study. We have a disparity study that's coming best. You know, we have all of these things, but we've never had the opportunity or the wherewithal to look at those and create policy solutions and then implement those with the heart of really wanting to do the right thing and create equity in our city. And so that's what I really am am focused on. The time is now. We need to do it. We need to say that race equity, racial equity is a priority in our city. And now is the time to do that. So I'm guessing this would be an office that would sort of uh, have its feet in multiple city departments and would be able to uh, implement policy or, or tweak policy, uh, whether it's in the police department or economic development or uh, you know, land use design planning, uh, any, any sort of issue that, that might have some cross-cutting or undercurrent of, of race uh, would be something that would be under the, the auspices of this new office. Yes, yes. And, and essentially, um, you know, departments would be very involved in creating uh, own policies with a uh, racial justice lens. Um, that's what we have to do. We, we know that there's, there is individual racism that we can deal with one-on-one, but we have to deal with the structural piece of this as well. And so the office will do that. I, I hope to create also a fund that is overseen by that office that would assist community members in the work that they are doing in this space and with uplifting our communities of color 
Um, I definitely want to focus more. We've heard a lot of requests with regard to translation at the city. There are so many things that we can do um, if we are focused enough to do it. Again, these requests have been coming from the community uh, for years. This is a, a way to centralize that, a way to say it is a priority, and a way to monitor it, measure it, so that we can continue to get better. I want to live in a city where it doesn't matter what race you are, your, your success doesn't depend on your race. Right now, that's what it is. We have 0% almost of, uh, of contracts going to African Americans. We have 20, 28% of the population that is homeless within the city uh, is black. You know, we have racial profiling. We can look at all of this and we see. We have the pay equity study, you know, where black women are essentially on the bottom when it comes to uh, wage earners in the city of San Diego. So um, we have piecemealed this. We need to bring it together and we need to monitor those results. So uh, last thing, just procedurally then, um, that we're towards the end of the city's budget cycle right now. Um, you would be in introducing this for the next fiscal year, and and, and how uh, optimistic are you that that the city would be able to the city council would be able to mobilize and adopt uh, funding for this sort of uh, new office uh, on a, in a relatively short time frame? I'm very hopeful. You know, I, I I can't I can't speak for my colleagues or the mayor, but this is something that I really have been wanting to do. I did introduce it in my budget memo. Um, this year, I did bring it up in budget review committee hearings last uh, when we were reviewing uh, the last fiscal year. Uh, and so it has been a priority of mine. The pandemic, really a lot of us gave up on, you know, our, our hopes uh, within our budget memos. But based on what we are experiencing right now in this moment, I think it's really important. So I'm hopeful to garner that support. We will monitor that situation closely. Thank you for sharing your plans with us. Um, and uh, hopefully everything continues to, to progress in the way that, as you said, that uh, has made you, made you hopeful and has been uh, very peaceful, uh, especially in the, the latter days of these protests. Uh, thank you for joining us, Councilwoman Montgomery. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this Voice of San Diego podcast bonus episode. Our politics report comes out every Saturday. I put that together with Scott Lewis. It's our insider's guide on politics and policy for the San Diego region. Get it now at voiceofsandiego.org slash politics. I'm Andrew Keats, assistant editor, and this episode was produced by Nate John.